Turn with me, please, in the scriptures to verses that we've uh, looked at previously in this series. Let's look in Matthew, the 15th chapter. We've been for some weeks on a series we've called The Greatest Faith. Not just great faith, the greatest faith. The greatest faith. In the ministry of Jesus, we have two instances where he called people's faith the greatest faith he had ever seen, in greater than anybody in the country, he said. That would include his 12 disciples, the 70, any of those other folks. And uh, why is this recorded for us? Not just so we can marvel from afar off, but to show us what great faith is and for us to attain to it. God's no respecter of persons. Great faith means great victories. It means pleasing God a lot. It means being an overcomer. Does all this sound good to you? Well, one of the two examples we've looked at quite a bit is the centurion whose servant was healed. And we've studied quite a bit on that. And you'll see that his great faith, the centurion's great faith, you can see it described in two statements that he made. Now, we're, we're still going to read Matthew 15, I think, but I'm just reviewing a little bit. But one thing we'll see that when Jesus said concerning the centurion's servant who was in a bad way, he said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority. I, I, I obey orders, I give orders, and my orders are obeyed. I'm paraphrasing. So, two big things, I'm not worthy, is a revelation of why this man had so much faith. Now, I know to some word and faith people, they don't like the sound of that. They think, well... He's made us worthy. In Him, you're worthy. Not in you. <laughs> and nothing is owed to you from God because you were born, because you exist. Nothing. And yet everything has been given to you if you'll believe it and receive it. But it's a free gift. You don't deserve it. Now this is, this is a big deal. Because uh, so many people, whether they realize it or not, they have this sense of entitlement. They think somebody owes them something. And they, they don't even stop to ask, why? Why would somebody owe me something? Because I exist? Because I'm breathing? Because I'm around? You're not owed anything because you exist. And this centurion, even though politically, militarily, he was in a position over Jesus. The Romans were controlling the Jewish population. And he's an officer in the, uh, the Roman military. And he could have, you know, theoretically... He could have sent soldiers and brought Jesus, even against his will, although, you know, when they came to take Jesus, he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus, he said, I am, and they all fell to the ground, so that could have gone a different way. But he didn't do that, that's what I'm saying. He, he told Jesus, no, I, I'm not worthy, which is not something you would typically hear a Roman officer say to people he's over in control of. But he said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Then he said, I'm a man under authority. So the, the humility is one big factor in great faith. And the understanding of authority is the other. You can see, summarizing this, these are the two big keys to the greatest faith. Humility and authority. Won't you say that out loud? Humility, Humility 
and authority. If you understand these and walk in these, you too can have faith that Jesus marvels at. Now that's a high thought, isn't it? But he's no respecter of persons. If he did it with them, he never changes. He'd do it with you. Praise God. And if the the centurion, we have no reason to think that, you know, he was a preacher or prayed all day or knew a lot of scriptures. And the, the Canaanite woman, we have every reason to believe she knew nothing about God. If these two people, not born again, no Bible, no Holy Spirit helping them, if they could have greatest faith, why can't we have greatest faith? We're children of His. Is that right? Got the Holy Spirit within. Got a Bible. We got every advantage. We should be able to have this kind of faith too. Matthew 15, are you there? Matthew 15, 21. Jesus went there and departed to the coast of Tyre and Zidon. I'm going to read a few verses here. A woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat. It's not right or proper or fitting to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now let's just stop here. Why is this woman in the Bible as one of only two individuals throughout Jesus' ministry that he said had the greatest faith? In fact, the Greek word here where he says her faith was great is megas. It's the word we get our word mega from. (laughs) And it, it means not only big, but greatest as well. It's translated greatest. That's why the title of the series is The Greatest Faith. Why is she here? She's not a doctor of the law, a theologian. She's not a preacher. She's not a woman that prayed a lot. I mean, you would call her a very carnal woman. She's a Canaanite. Not a Jewish proselyte. We have details about how Canaanites lived. When Jesus said, it's not right to throw the children's bed to the dogs, he's not just trying to insult her or slander her. They lived like dogs. We have details in the Old Testament that describe, I mean, the stuff they did, you shouldn't even think about. Dogs are immoral. They will do things that's not okay for human beings to do. There are people, even today, that live like dogs. They do immoral things. They they have no standard of right and wrong. He's not trying to insult her. How many believe the Lord's not mean? He's not mean. He's not cruel. But why is she here? (laughs) A lot of people would not have made it this far. They'd have already been gone. First, you know, let's just put it here. Faith Life Church with me. I know I'm not Jesus, but let's just bring it right into the the present here. Somebody comes to me and says, my daughter is in bad shape. Would you help? And I don't answer them a word. (laughs) I don't even acknowledge they're there. Would a lot of people get mad right then and go, what? I thought this was a church. I thought this was a place where people could come get help. Who do you think you are? And and stomp off. Without. She didn't do that. She kept on persisting. Saying, please help. Son of David. Son of David. Now here's something we need to understand. She, being a Canaanite woman, wouldn't have a clue what that meant. Son of David, have mercy on me. It meant something. Other people had used it and gotten results. 
It wouldn't mean anything to her. You can't get results using borrowed phraseology. Something that's not real to you. The Lord's not going to respond to phony. He knows your heart. He knows whether you're playing games or not. He knows whether you're serious and mean business or not. You may fool other people, but you can't fool him. So she persists, and then the disciples would be like my staff coming and saying, would you please make that lady go away? Would you please send her away? She's loud. She's annoying. She's bothering us. (laughs) There'd be a lot of people, wouldn't they? That'd be too much. They'd say, oh, I'm annoying you. (laughs) I thought this was a ministry where people could come get help, but I'm annoying you. And she could have given you a piece of her mind and stomped off without. But she didn't. She kept coming. And then she said, Lord, she worshiped him. I believe this is sincere. She said, please help me. This is no borrowed phraseology. Why, why Why am I talking about this? She keeps humbling herself. This is one of the two big keys to the greatest faith. She keeps humbling herself. Now a lot of people say, well, I ain't calling for nobody. We'll do without. Have a hard life. Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. This is one of the biggest problems on the planet. Pride. A refusal to submit. A refusal to humble yourself. A lot of people even think it's their, you know, American right to be proud and defiant. They don't realize they're not just that way with other people. They're that way with God too. Because you are the way you are with everybody. It's not about being a doormat. It's not about groveling. It's about acknowledging the truth. Even when it's uncomplimentary. Acknowledging the truth. Even when it doesn't paint you in a favorable light. She said, she worshipped him. She said, Lord, help me. And what did he say? Look at it again. What did he say? He said, it's not right. Well, at least he's talking to her now. (laughs) It's not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. This would have been the final straw. Is that right? For a lot of other people. They'd have said, dogs? Dogs? Who are you calling a dog, preacher? And they would have got defiant, defensive, and told him off. And stomped off, what's the next word? Without. Without. You can have your say, but it's going to cost you. Hmm? And you can stand up to people and never submit to anybody, and you can defy everybody, you can be rebellious, but it's going to cost you more than anybody else around you. It's going to cost you. The scripture said the rebellious dwell in a dry land, a wilderness. Hmm. You don't want to be like that. I know society and ungodly thinking, the world, the whole world will tell you that's who you ought to be. You don't bow to anybody. You're nobody's doormat. You don't give in to anybody about anything. But this will be a hard, broken miserable, dry life. You can do it. Millions are doing it. But when you know the truth, is that the next word, verse 27? What'd she say? Truth, Lord. You cannot separate humility from honesty. I said, you cannot separate humility 
from honesty. A lot of what people call humility is false humility. It's not the real thing. People will say, you know, they think, I do deserve the credit and praise, but I'm going to be humble and not take it. Oh, you're great. You're wonderful. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Thing is, they really think they are, but they think they're being humble by saying, I'm not going to receive it. No, the truth is, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. If it's good, it's by the grace of God. You you should give him the praise. If you obeyed, he's going to reward you. It's going to be good. But taking credit for what he's done is a lie. Hold your place here. Go to Romans, please. The 12th chapter. He said, verse 3, I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, or a measure of faith. Now, he didn't say here, don't think highly of yourself. Are you looking at it? He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. You know, two areas that are wrong, self-exaltation is wrong. Self-deprecation is wrong too. Both of them start with self. (laughs) Both of them are a focus on yourself. Most people would realize, you know, exalting yourself, exalting yourself, that's not good. But they think running yourself down is humility. It's not. It's not. That's that phony, phony junk. Self-deprecation, self-depreciation, running yourself down is not humility and it doesn't please God. Anybody remember when, when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush? Yeah. And he, he told him at the, at the bush he wanted to send him to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And, and Moses said, uh, I can't. I can't. You need to send somebody else. Did the Lord look at him and say, that's why I like you. You're so humble. No, the Bible said it angered the Lord. It angered the Lord? Yeah. Don't tell the Lord what you can and can't do. He made you. He knows what you can and can't do. And if you couldn't do it when he told you to do it, now you can because his word will empower you and enable you to do it. Come on, can you see this? Talking about how weak you are, how dumb you are, how you can't do it, how you're not able, you're such a poor excuse for a Christian, you're this and that. It doesn't please the Lord. It can actually irritate him. And it's got nothing to do with humility. Jesus is the perfect example of humility. He said, come learn about me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. He said, you'll find rest to your souls. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Can you see Jesus saying, oh, I'm nothing. There's nothing to me. Nah. I'm such a mess up. I'm such a failure. Would Jesus ever talk like that? Never. Never. So why should you? Real humility has nothing to do with self-deprecation, self-running yourself down. Real humility has nothing to do with weakness. It takes a lot more strength to be humble than it does to be proud. A lot more strength. It's actually being weak to be proud. So he didn't say, are you you hearing Romans 12, 3? He didn't say, don't think highly of yourself. You should believe every good thing the Lord tells you about you. Is that right? You should believe it and you should confess it. He didn't say, don't think highly of yourself. What did he think? Come on, help me out. Don't think more highly then you ought to think don't think beyond what's true what's real pride 
is believing lies about yourself. Believing you're something you're not. Humility stays in reality. And realizes how big God is. How incapable and impossible it is in my own strength to have and do what I need to do. But I'm not by myself. He's with me. He's in me. But it's him. It's him in me. He does the work. That's not trying to be humble. That's really being humble, which is living in the truth, in reality. And I'm still talking about the greatest faith. Why is this woman who, you know, everybody's somebody to God, but I mean as far as society was concerned, she's nobody. As far as religion's concerned, she's nobody. She's an ungodly, probably couldn't read and write, probably didn't know anything about the word, has lived a, a base, ungodly lifestyle. Why is she one or two? Where Jesus marveled about her faith. What? She kept humbling herself. They wouldn't talk to her. She didn't cuss and leave. She just kept on coming. He said, uh, help me. They said, would you send this lady away? She just looked like she didn't hear it. She said, uh, please help me. He said, it's not right to take the bread and throw it to the dogs. What'd she do? Humbled herself. Come on, can you see this? She kept, she kept humbling herself. Jesus is not trying to hurt her. She's got no covenant. She's got no access. She knows nothing about God. She, her daughter's deliverance and her are on other continents. What's amazing is somebody with no covenant, no access, no right to anything, Gets a miracle. So somebody say. Gets a miracle. Before there's a new birth. Before the Gentiles can come in. I mean. How many understand this lady's on the outside. Looking in with nothing. And she gets a miracle. When so called good Jewish people. Are not. When people who can quote scriptures right and left. Their kid's still sick. It's not about who you are, what you think you are in life, or your place. Great faith, great faith. Two big things humility, authority. The centurion acknowledged Jesus, you have the authority. Oh, somebody say, Thank you, Lord. I, you don't need to come to my house. I don't deserve you to come to my house. You see the humility. Just speak the word only. Yes. You see the understanding of authority. Come on, can you see that? Yes. And this woman, she didn't even know what she should be going for. <laughs> All she knew is her baby needed healing. Her baby needs deliverance. And that this people had been getting delivered through this man's ministry, through Jesus. And she had heard people holler, son of David, and, and come away healed. Yes. Right? Yes. So she comes. She tries the son of David. It didn't work. <laughs> but she didn't quit. She didn't give up. She didn't get haughty. She didn't get proud. She humbled herself. She humbled herself. She humbled herself. And then he says, uh, it's not right. In other words, I, I feel for you. But it's not right to take what belongs to the children and give it to the dogs. She didn't get her feelings hurt. She didn't get mad. She didn't get upset. She said, uh, you're right, Lord. You're right. You're right. Yet, and the Greek says little dogs, <laughs> like the pets in the home. You're right, Lord, but you know the little dogs. They get the crumbs under the table. Is this humility? Is this humility? She just she humbled herself again, again. The the little the little puppies, the little dogs under the table, they get crumbs, 
and don't they? And and all I need is a crumb. The, the power of God is so awesome. All you need is a crumb to get healed. All you need is a crumb to get delivered. I I just we need we need some crumbs here. Can we have some crumbs? And, and people said, I you never see me beg like that. She's not begging. She's acknowledging the truth. The truth is nothing was owed to her. There's no covenant. She's got nothing coming to her. And what's amazing is what we've already described is a woman on the outside got a miracle. Knowing nothing. Knowing no scripture. Knowing nothing. Oh, somebody say, God, thank you for being so gracious. So good. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Humility. Is humility a good thing? Is it a key to getting something from God? You must acknowledge who he is and who you are in relation to him. How big he is and how much we need him. And not come to him like I've been a good Christian, I've gone to church a lot, I pray a lot, I quote scriptures, you know, you ought to heal me. Mm-mm. Nope. Nothing's owed you because of that. If you obey him, you'll get reward. But these things, deliverance, healing, they've already been bought and paid for by Jesus before you were ever born. Do you believe it? And he wants you to have it, but you can't come acting like you deserve it. You just come and humbly receive. The Bible said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Let's put it on the screen. James 4, 6. James 4, 6. God gives more grace. Grace. Oh, friend. Grace is the key to you even finding out you need an answer. (laughs) With enough of God's grace, you can overcome anything. Do you believe it, saints? With enough of God's grace, you can receive anything. No miracle is too big for you to receive. With enough of God's grace. God's grace includes his help of every kind. His help as a gift. His help as a gift. Do you need his help? That wasn't everybody. Do you need, how many in the house need God's help? Huh? When do you need it? Every day. Every night, every hour, something is keeping your heart beating. Is it you? No. (laughs) Something's keeping your lungs breathing. Is that you? Are you making that happen? You you didn't create yourself. Faith is not about getting attitude and becoming independent. Faith realizes I am completely dependent on him all the time. And if Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. If Jesus said that when he functioned as a man, what about us? (laughs) Said out loud, I can of my own self do nothing. Here's the good news, though. You're not by yourself. (laughs) I said you're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. The greater ones in you, without him, I can do nothing. But I'm not without him. And with him, I can do all things. Don't forget those next two words. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Well, if it was through Christ, when it happens, who should get the glory? Who should get the credit? Don't fail when the Lord does good things for you. People who don't know him will try to give you the credit. They will. People
people who walk mostly by sight, they'll try to give the credit to what they can see. They'll see something great happen for you. The Lord enable you to do something that, that has a lot of good results. And, and they'll go, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. How did you do that? You're so smart. How did you plan that? You're so amazing. You're so amazing. If you want to lose God's help, take the credit. Go, yeah, I am, ain't I? I tell you what. Woo! I am amazing. <laughs> You're lying. You are lying. You are taking credit for things you didn't do. Humility is not this phony junk that a lot of people think about. It's just staying in reality. <laughs> I know some years ago I, we needed a car in the worst way. And the Lord helped us to get, oh, this back a number of years ago, a, um, I was in the 70s, uh, Oldsmobile Toronado. Now back in the 70s, an Oldsmobile was an Oldsmobile. Big chrome bumpers. I mean, you had you a real car here. <laughs> and it was black and silver two-tone. Silver hood and top and trunk deck and sides were black. Good looking car. Wire, wire wheels. Wasn't new, but it was in good shape and nice. And uh, I pulled up to the place where I was ministering there. And I had a team of guys that were helping me. That's back at Brother Hagin's ministry. And one of the guys said, uh, man, when did you get this car? And we just got it, you know, this weekend. Well, uh, uh, how'd you get it? I said, uh, we believe for it. And he said, uh, oh, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. And when I said that, something bothered me. Something bothered me. I didn't know what it was. Later on, I was praying, getting ready for the service, and that came back to me. And I said, Lord, there's something wrong with what, did I say something wrong? I said, I, I believed for it. We, we believed for it. I believed for it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's not just the exact words, it's the spirit of it. And so uh, the Lord brought to, I don't mean I heard a voice now, but he brought to my remembrance very distinctly. He said, uh, whose faith was that you were believing with? I said, well, that's a, that's a measure of your faith. I mean, that right here in verse 3. It says, according as God has given to every man a measure of faith. I said, it's your faith. He said, how'd you get that faith? Well, it came by hearing your word. Your word. He said, uh, were you, uh, you and Phyllis ever tempted to give up? And, and did you need to get stirred up once in a while? Why are you believing for these things? Yeah. Uh, and, and how'd that happen? I said, well, people preached on it and I heard it. And he said, I was helping them. <laughs> And when it came to pass, who actually brought it to pass? Who helped you get the money in? And the deal, I said, well, it was you. It was you. He said, it's my faith, my help, my work, my moving. He said, I wasn't even mentioned. You just said, we believe for it. He said, besides that, that young man left impressed with your faith, which puts him no closer to getting results like that in his life. He just impressed with you. If you'd have focused on me, then I could talk to him about me being no respecter of persons. And I'll do the same thing for him. You don't want people impressed with you and your faith. You want them to see him and focus on him. Come on, can you see that? And so being humble, it's just a matter of telling it right. Being accurate. How did that happen? Something good happened in your life. Help, come on, let's practice right here Sunday morning. Oh man, that's amazing. How in the world did you do that? You are amazing. You are so smart, Rob. You must be brilliant. You must be a genius. You must be. <laughs> he said, the Lord helped me. A simple phrase like that can help you keep from being a hypocrite <laughs> and a liar. Because did he help you or not? then you ought to speak right up. Is that right? If somebody financed it for you, you should say they financed it for you. If somebody told you what to do, you should say, they told me what to do. Right? We've got the best help in the world. Somebody say, I've got help. I've got serious help. I've got amazing help. 
Amazing help. And if you say it right, they can be encouraged, he will help them too. He will help them too. Praise God. Go back with me to Matthew. Praise God. I didn't finish uh, I didn't finish James. Excuse me. Go to James right now. James 4, 6. God gives more grace. Part of that grace is help. How many would take more grace, more, more help? With enough help, you can make it through anything. With enough help, you can overcome any temptation. You can get out of any bondage or addiction. With enough help, you can receive any miracle. With, with enough of God's help, you can receive the biggest miracle there is. With his help. Wherefore, he said, God does what with the proud? Resist. The proud don't get the grace. The proud don't get God's help. It's impossible to be gracious to someone who thinks they deserve it. Impossible. Why? Because if you do something gracious for them, they won't even be thankful because they think you owed it to them to start with. Well, God doesn't know us these things. He's given them to us because of what Jesus has done. But if you don't know that and approach it that way, if you come with attitude, well, God, if you're real, show me. (laughs) He don't know you anything talking like that. He's quite secure in who he is and what he is. He's been around a long time before you come along. He is so big. Have you ever looked up in the night sky? He is so awesome. Try to imagine what kind of being can create light and gravity and stars and galaxies what kind of being can create that that's how the Bible begins Genesis 1-1 put it up on the screen for us how does the Bible begin Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, if you've got no problem with that, you got it made for the rest of the Bible. <laughs> if you've got a problem with that, if you don't believe that, the Bible is a closed book to you. You'll think it doesn't make sense. You'll think it doesn't agree with itself. You'll think all kind of things. And it's not because anything's wrong with it. It's because something's wrong with you. You can't see. No understanding. You cannot prove that God didn't create it. You weren't there. No so-called expert in any field was there. And you'll find in reading, no, no matter how deep you go into physics or any of these things, you'll find anybody with any honesty, they're using the word theory, 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 theory. Could have been, could have happened, maybe it happened like this, could have happened like this, might have happened. Uh, my, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, had a definition of theory. He said a theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the topic under discussion. Because <laughs> if you knew, it wouldn't be a theory. Right? Watch about just believing stuff that people tell you. Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? All real science agrees with God. If it's reality, it has to agree with God because He's reality. What he made is astounding, isn't it? If you want to understand God, 
don't try to wade through volumes and volumes of theology that men wrote in some dark, you know, place somewhere. The Bible in Romans 1 says, you can understand everything about God, even his eternal power, even the mystery of the Godhead by looking at the things he made. You want to understand God? The wisest man, Solomon, he wrote in his wisdom, you know what he wrote about? Plants and animals. He wrote about trees and bushes and fish and birds. Why? Because God let him see the intelligence and the wisdom of the designer in what was designed and created. No perfect thing comes out of chaos. Never has, never will. This idea of there being all this chaos and then something perfectly formed coming out of it is ludicrous. It's ridiculous. The laws of physics contradict it. If you'll be honest, it contradicts it. You could try any kind of experiment. Go to a salvage yard of scrap metal and steel where people have already made steel. Set off giant explosions of C4 or even atomic explosions. Set them off a hundred thousand times. Never when you get through blowing it up will there be a new Mercedes sitting there. Never. I don't care how many times you blow it up. Perfection cannot come out of chaos. Lies are being taught as science to our children in our university. Lies, lies, absolute lies. People who really are experts in the field know their lies. Most people don't. They just believe what they've been told blindly. You know what I believe? Genesis. 1-1. I'm happy with it. I am so happy with it. It makes sense to me on every level. It answers questions. The more I look at it, the better I like it. The more I understand it. In the beginning, God. He was already there. <laughs> created the heaven and the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me read you a couple of verses about this since you're so interested right now. You act like you, you, you've got a minute. Psalm 8, verse 3. He said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? In this creation, we are so tiny, and yet to him, we're important. It's amazing. This is our identity. Not how fast you can run or how much money you made or how good you look and your pictures on this and that. That's all changing <laughs> and soon to change. Our eternal identity is because He loves us, He chose us. That's what makes us somebody, not just in Florida and Missouri, in the universe. Oh, that you should say that out loud. I'm somebody, I'm somebody in, the universe. in the universe. Why? Because of my Father, my Creator Father, who chose me and helped me by His grace to have enough awareness to acknowledge the truth in this life that He is real and that He sent His Son. I accept Him as my Lord. Most of the billions of the planet don't know this, don't see it, they've rejected it. 
and you are in the minority that have received him and believed him, he will never forget it. If you honor him in this life, he will never forget it throughout the ages. He's got a place picked out for you beside him. (laughs) In his family, in his kingdom forever, because you chose him after he chose you, but you chose him and held on to him, even made it through some tests and trials and temptations and wouldn't quit him, wouldn't give up, wouldn't deny him. He will never forget it. He's got big plans for you. And they involve faith. And he's training us. That's why your beloved pastor keeps talking to you about it. (laughs) He's training you right now to rule and reign with him. And what we're going to do takes faith in the future. It takes faith to live now. It'll take faith to move forward in what his plan is in the future. Everything he's done, he did it by faith. The rest of that passage in Genesis, how did he create it? He spoke and it was done. How? He conceived it in his heart. He saw it. He believed it. He released his faith with his words. (laughs) Created planets, stars. Woo! That's not how it happened. You weren't there. (laughs) If you want to believe something else, you can. Don't make you right doesn't mean you know. (laughs) Faith is a choice. I'm happy with my choice. How about you? I'm I'm very happy. Y'all are just ignorant religious folk. Leave me alone. I'm happy. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) I don't want to become enlightened and miserable like you. We actually are enlightened. He said. Oh somebody say praise God. In, in Psalm 147.4. He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all. By their names. We got no idea how many there are. He's got a name for every one of them. Plus he knows the number of hairs on your head. Without a computer. (laughs) Somebody say amazing. Amazing. Great. Verse 5. Great is our God. And of great power. His understanding is infinite. Look at verse 6. The Lord. The very next verse. The Lord lifts up the meek. What's one got to the other? To do with the other. Humility is not us debasing ourselves. The most spiritual, the most spiritually aware, the person, the man or woman who knows God the most is going to be the most humble. Without exception. Do you believe Jesus knew the Father the most of anybody that ever walked the earth? Was he the most humble? He said, come learn about me. Why? Only the arrogant give God lip. That means you don't know him. You don't know who he is. You hadn't experienced his greatness. I've experienced a little bit of his greatness. There's been times I felt like a speck of dust under a pebble at the base of the Rocky Mountains. He is. Not not that he was treating me as insignificant. It's just you get a glimpse of how big and vast he is. He's bigger than the oceans. He's bigger than the mountains. He's bigger than the galaxy. That's big. He's bigger than the galaxies. He's bigger than the known universe. He's bigger than the unknown universe. (laughs) He created light. And gravity. Oh my, 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 my. If you, if you get that, if you understand that, you should have no problem going, truth, Lord. Truth. Truth. Yes, Lord. And not feeling like you're being mistreated. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Why is this woman here? She didn't give him lip. She didn't get attitude. She didn't storm off. She didn't give him a piece of her mind. You know, how many know most people can't afford to be giving away pieces of their mind? <laughs> she just kept humbling herself. Humbling herself. Humbling herself. What happens? Put up James, and I think we'll close with this. James 4, 6. God gives more grace. Somebody say more grace. More more grace. Involved in that grace is all the help God can give you. Wherefore he says, though God resists the proud, that alone should cause you to despise pride and want to get rid of every vestige of it in your life. That alone. Here's another big reason. It is the nature of the devil himself. Pride is the devil's nature. And God hates it. I'm quoting scripture. God hates not the proud. He hates pride. You can't come to him with attitude. But what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And one reason this woman is in the book. This Syrophoenician woman. This Canaanite woman. You talk about a nobody. With no rights. No access. No covenant. It's her. She's a picture of it. And yet, because of her willingness to just keep humbling herself. And whatever the Lord said, if the Lord don't want to talk to her, then he's got a good reason why he doesn't need to talk to me. But I'm not going away. And the disciples, the disciples said, would you send this annoying lady away? Well, okay, maybe I am annoying. But... <laughs> But I'm not going away. And where do you want me to sit? Where do you want me to be? I'm, I'm staying. I'm staying. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you will not, not play in games, not the phony junk, if you'll genuinely humble yourself, God will move people's hearts towards you. People will incline towards you. It is so refreshing because most of the world is so arrogant. So arrogant and so demanding and so self-entitled. And, and if you come along and you don't demand and you don't act like and you ask and you wait and you don't get upset and you don't get offended and mad and indignant, they will notice you and they'll go, what can I do for you? I know Phyllis and I, you know, we flew one reason we believe to fly private is because we flew public for 20 plus years all the time and, and thank God for it, but there's a better way. And um, uh, we left one night and we're, I'm, well actually one afternoon and I'm speaking that night and we're on the, the flight got canceled and man, I got an auditorium full of people that's expecting me to step on the platform here in about four or five hours and I'm halfway across the country and and the, uh, the waiting area in the terminal was a madhouse. Flight, the weather was bad. Flights had been canceled all over the place. People were short-tempered. They were ill. Some had been there a long time. And, and they were demanding and yelling at the uh, airline people that were working behind the ticket counters. They were beating their fists and cussing and everything. And we, Phyllis and I had been standing in line for a long time. And, and right before we got to this lady that was this taking care of people, changing their flights and stuff. The, the person in front of us just talked so bad to them and just treated them like they were dirt. And uh, how many understand there's something more important than your flight? Yes. That person. Yes. Does everybody understand that? Now, I know most of the world doesn't understand that, but I, your daddy at Faith Life Church, I expect you to represent. Come on, y'all with me? The Lord. Out in the grocery store, out in wherever you are, you act like you got some sense. Is that right? You calm yourself down. <laughs> Zero cussing. Are y'all with me? No cussing at all. No cussing at all. Show one of the most Christ-like things you could ever be is humble. Show some Jesus-like meekness. And uh, so we walked up, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm noticing the watch. I'm supposed to be there in a few hours. And, 
And Phyllis said to the lady, she said, I'm sorry. You're having to deal with all this. You know, if you have peace, you can minister peace. She said, I'm sorry. Because that person ahead of us had really treated them badly. And um, she said, well, everything is canceled and I can't do anything about it. And, and she said, I'm sorry, but there, there are no flights. And she, she, Phyllis said, I understand. I understand. And she said, well, what, what's your situation? And, and she told her. And she said, well, I'm telling you, they're all canceled. So she's typing on the thing. And, and she typed some more and she typed some more. And she said, wait a minute. Okay. But she typed some more. She well, she said, uh, oh, I could put you on this and, and you can be there this evening. Well, see, we, gra- we grabbed hands and prayed back hours ago. And if we're in faith, who are we looking to? Not this woman behind the counter. Is that right? Not the pilots, not the owners of the airline. Who are we looking to? Faith puts no pressure on people because you're, you're looking to God. And Phyllis was kind to her and gracious to her. She said, thank you so much. Well, she, she had thanked her for trying to help us before she found this out. And she looked at us. She said, well, I can put you on there right now. We said, thank you so much. And she said, where's your stuff? We said, right here. She said, follow me. And she put, she put the little thing up on him. And oh, man, when we walked away, oh, people were looking daggers through us, man. They are like, people were sweating and mad. And they thought, what, what did you do? What did you do? And you looked like, did you bribe her? What did you do? And she said, follow me. So we followed her. And, and, and this was back before 9-11. And, and, and she said, go through here. It said private, no entrance. We went through, she said, go through here, private. We went through here, private. She took us on board the plane that was boarding, sat us down in first class. We didn't have first class tickets. And said, uh, she looked at us. We said, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is wonderful. She said, you're welcome. She said, those folks before you, they didn't know it. I could help them or hurt them. We said, well, thank you for helping us. She said, you're so welcome. And just left. We're not trying to manipulate her. I'm not trying to use some kind of psychology. What are we doing? We don't feel like this lady owes us anything. She doesn't owe us anything. I don't feel like the airline owes us anything. I got enough sense to know. Thunderstorms can happen. Is that right? Machines can break down. You think some folks that don't have any sense, you know? People say, you people see the uh, uh, fuel gushing out, out of the wing, and people going, why do we have to stop? Why can't we go? <laughs> do you want to die today? <laughs> uh, have you heard people talk like this? They're like, oh, why can't we go? Why can't we go? Well, <laughs> God gives more grace. Who gets the help? The humble. Did this woman get help? She got help that the most religious people of the day were not getting. She got results that covenant people were not getting. Most covenant people were not getting. The Lord helped her. When she said truth, Lord... You're right. What's she saying truth to? We, we live like dogs. Yeah, my people have been, whew, they're a mess. <laughs> but Lord, you know, the little dogs get crumbs. Yes. I believe a big smile broke across the master's face. If you put this with the other account, he said, for this saying, your daughter's delivered. Because you told me this. Because you humbled yourself. And you kept humbling yourself. You kept humbling yourself. You're going to get what you really shouldn't be getting. Your daughter's delivered. The father allowed him. To say that. And when she got back home. Her daughter's completely free. And healed. Somebody say glory to God. What if she'd shot her mouth off? What if she'd told him off? She'd have come back to a traumatized, suffering daughter. Might have never got better. It's not about debasing yourself. It's about acknowledging the truth. It's about realizing how big God is. Right? And giving Him the place of complete power 
over you and place of right of authority and taking your place under him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more you can do that, grace flows downhill. It flows from the top. And if you humble yourself, (laughs) you're right under the spout where the blessing comes out. (laughs) You don't want to be on top yelling who you are, what somebody owes you, and here the blessing is flowing, you're not getting any. Stand on your feet, everybody, before I start preaching again. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.